0: Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike, and I'm really glad I live in Atlanta, and I love the Braves. How about that? Is that good to get the cat out of the bag a little bit? Man, how many of you are asleep? Can I get an amen if you feel sleep-deprived? Oh, man, I'm telling you. I was going to go to bed early last night, and then Dansby hits the home run, and then Solaire hits the home run. If you're like, Mike, I didn't know I taped it. Shame on you, all right? And so uh, it was amazing, and it was such a great night. But I'm gonna tell you something. If you didn't see the interview with Dansby after the game with Ken Rosenthal, you need to go home today, YouTube it. It made you so proud to not just see a, see a guy, you watch TV, but he is a local boy who grew up at Adams Park, down here in Kennesaw playing baseball at Adams Park, you may not know this is a little little known fact Dansby and Casey my son, same age were double they were a double play tandem at seven on the in park all stars they were together they were the double play combination. Dansby didn't need Casey, but it, they were together they were they were a double play combination but anyways and so it's phenomenal. I shot his dad a note last night when I watched it because Dansby talked about his faith and talked about the importance of seeing God's plan for his life. It was awesome. And can we just, can we just say, Lord, we need sleep. Let's win this thing tonight and get it over with. Are we okay with that? How about a round of applause? We'll get that done. So it's been a crazy week, crazy week. So at our house, our daughter got married last Saturday, And it was awesome and it was great, all turned out great. Funny part of the story is my daughter grew up hating sports. She hates it because she was drugged to ball fields and tournaments and like, when are we gonna go on vacation? Well, we gotta find out when this tournament is and when I gotta be back. And then she's like, well, when Casey graduates, we not wanna do that anymore. And then I started coaching and, and now she still has to operate her whole life. She's like, I am so done with baseball. My whole world's been baseball And then she got married while the Braves were playing the Dodgers. And so it was great. At a reception, there were people watching the game. (laughs) I did not do it on my phone, all right? But anyway, so I looked and, and we watched. Here's the best part of the story. This is how you know the Lord has a sense of humor. Six months ago, her sweet little fiance at the time, her husband now, had booked a hotel room at the Omni, at the Battery, all right? And so she got to be there for the clinching game It's just a reminder that baseball, you can't get away from it, all right? you just can't get away from it. So anyways, it was funny, and we laughed, and I told her that's why it's the Lord's sport, all right? And that's why we know that God's in it. All right, what does that have to do with living Sent? Zero. All right, Acts chapter 9. Would you take your Bibles? Turn to Acts chapter 9. Pick up where we left off last week. Cole crushed it last week. In fact, we were home. We were going to stay home last Sunday after the crazy Saturday and we were watching the 930, listening to worship, and Cole started teaching, and he's like, we gotta go to church, and so we got up and came because I didn't wanna miss it, and he talked about it, got him Saul. Cole unpacked the life of Saul and how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and had a life-changing event, and Cole did such a great illustration. He said, in one hand was the letters that he had that were gonna go kill the believers in Damascus, but then the other hand, where the letters that he wrote ended up writing to the early church to be an encouragement to the early church. It was a phenomenal message. If you missed it last week, he talked about the disruptive gospel. You know, we'd only seen Saul one other time. We saw him in the day on the day that Stephen was killed. Saul was giving approval even unto his death. That's the only time we'd seen Saul up until that point. Now, here's a little, little known fact in the story. We think in our brains, this is sort of how we manufacture things. So God calls Saul on the road to Damascus and then the next week Saul's doing the work, right? Because you just immediately go from high school baseball to pro baseball. It's just the way that it works. It doesn't work that way. In fact, many scholars think that it was a quite a bit of time, up to three years, that Saul left the Damascus Road experience and then he went to the desert. He writes about it in uh, Galatians. And God had some work he had to do on Saul's life. He had some refining he had to do. He had to get a lot of Saul out of Saul before he eventually, we know that his name was changed to Paul. We pick up the story, though, In Acts 9, Saul is back in a town called Damascus, which is the town he was gonna go kill people in. But that's where God begins to use him. Would you stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? If you've got the app, it's probably the easiest way to follow along. All the notes are there, North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store. If you've got your Bibles out, awesome. It's probably the easiest way to follow along. Acts 9, verse 23. If at any point I'm saying something you're not reading you just look up, because we're going to chat about it for a second. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. So he's gone from being their ally to their archenemy. He's a traitor. He's a turncoat. He's, he's now one of the people of the way. And they don't, they're don't. they going to do to Saul what Saul was going to go do to them. They're trying to kill him. They are watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him But Saul was told about their plot. So somebody got to Saul and said, dude, you gotta get out of here. There's there's a bounty out on you. You gotta go. So during the night, some of the other believers in the community there, one of the versions says disciples, they lowered him, followers that were together, they lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. So literally, this is an escape by night. They don't know. They put him in a basket and they begin. Can you imagine a grown man being lowered out in this basket so he can get out of town? And when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. All right, time out. You're going, man, that's weird. So I want you to think about this. They all knew who Saul was. They knew that their names may have been on Saul's letters that he was coming to get them with. And it had been three years since anybody had seen the guy. Think about that. Three years. So he's plotting, where is he? We heard the story. But, but there's no Saul. They did not believe he had become a true believer. They were incredibly skeptical of Saul. It wasn't like they're like, come on in, man, we're glad to have you. It was not like that at all. Verse 27, I love this. This is where the focus of our time together today is, then Barnabas, then Barnabas. Barnabas was one of the early leaders. You watch Barnabas come out of the shadows. Barnabas means son of encouragement. Barnabas was a guy that God is gonna use greatly even though you don't know a lot about Barnabas. You know a lot more about Paul than you do Barnabas. But I'm gonna tell you today, I don't know if Saul's life, Paul's life would have been the same without Barnabas. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles, the leaders, the guys that had been with Jesus and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus, how the Lord had spoken to him. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles. Because of Barnabas, Saul stayed with the apostles. And he went around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. This guy knew the city streets of Jerusalem like the back of his hand. The epicenter of where it all began. He's doing his thing. He debated with Greek-speaking Jews what Stephen had been doing before he was murdered, now Saul is doing, but they tried to murder him, and the believers heard about it. They took him down to Caesarea, sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. God's not done working on Saul, so he sends him away again. But look at what happened. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. All because of the call of God and the encouragement of Barnabas. Would you pray with me? Father, may we see, may we live out, may we get the power of encouragement. And God, may we leave today with a mission to live sent of being a blessing in others' lives. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, find two people around you and say, you look really good for not sleeping. All right, do that real quick. Turn to people around you. So, in this word encouragement, I love the word courage. You know, courage is that piece of you that stands up when everybody else is backing down, right? When you think of courage, you don't think of good times, you think of tough times. It's the courage to say something. It's the courage to speak up. It's the courage to, um, to stand in the midst of adversity, right? Courage. When we in Courage, we infuse courage in other people. When someone encourages you, they call out your best. When someone discourages you, they call out your worst. Can I get an amen? We live in a discouraging world. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, it it is. It's a discourage. Just pick it up. Pick up the Paper, don't even pick up, paper, pick up your phone, go to social media. It's discouraging. Most people are not encouraging, right? Mike, why do you shine so bright for Jesus when you're an encourager? Because it looks so different than the world. How do you know someone needs encouragement? The great business leader, author, Former pastor John Maxwell says it this way, you know they need encouragement if they're breathing. Everybody needs encouragement. There's not one of us in this room today that's ever gotten to the place, oh, no, no, good, I don't need to be encouraged. We all need it. As college students, as young 20-somethings, as young 30-something, as young 40-something, and some of you young 70-somethings, you all need encouragement, right? We all are in a place that there's just, there is infusion of courage in our lives when somebody sees something in us and calls it out. Barnabas did that for Saul. Here's the question. Is there a rest of the story if Barnabas, then Barnabas? Would that have ever happened? You think in our Bible, This is my my New Testament here, beginning there through here. That's the New Testament. The majority of that was written by Paul to encourage the early church. Would that have happened if Barnabas hadn't have encouraged him? Principle number one, here's how we can encourage like he did we encourage with our presence. We encourage with our presence. I love, I love this part of the story. He doesn't send something. He, look at, look at the way scripture says it. Look at this. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles. It's almost like, and we, nobody. there's no footage of this, but it's almost like they're, the apostles have gathered going, what are we gonna do with this guy? I don't, I don't trust him. Do you trust him? I don't trust him. I think he's a shyster. I think he's made all this up. I think he's trying to, he's gonna try to kill us. And they all love Barnabas. We found Barnabas earlier when he sold his land. Do you remember that part of the story in birth of a movement? He sold his land and he gave the money to the church. It talked about what the encourager was. I think everybody loved Barnabas. And Barnabas comes walking in. You can almost see him walking in with Saul going, hey man, let me tell you his story. Let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you why he matters and why we need to listen. June of 1947 on a baseball field in Cincinnati at Crossley Field, a young African-American baseball player was called up to the majors of the Dodgers. His name was Jackie Robinson. And as the fans jeered and the fans didn't understand, there was a beloved Dodger named Pee Wee Reese. And in the middle of that game in June of 1947, Pee Wee Reese walked out in the middle of that field and he just put his arm around Jackie Robinson. It's the ministry of presence. I believe in him. If you've ever lost a loved one, You never forget people that came on your darkest day. Never forget it. They walked in, and you don't ever forget their face. What'd they do? What'd they say? Nothing. They were just there. You knew they had your back. You knew that they were standing with you. I remember when I lost my dad so unexpectedly back in February of 2017. I mean, it happens on a Tuesday. And I mean, literally the next weekend, we're having the service. And I'm, I'm the guy that's supposed to be there for everybody else. And now I'm there. And I remember the line of friends from the years that walked in. And I, I just remember their face being there. I'll never forget it. It's a ministry of presence. What's the ministry of presence cost us? Nothing, time, really is what it costs us. You know, if you read the book, Five Love Languages, um, which is written on marriage, but it's really more about life relationships, you you would qualify this as quality time. It's that you're just there and you just pour in through being there. It's the ministry of presence. what Barnabas, listen, that's what he did. I don't know if Barnabas had never, Said a word, I think they would have all bought into Saul because he stood there with him. It's the ministry of presence. But number two, it's not just the ministry of presence and encouraging with our presence, it's encouraging with our words. It's encouraging with our words. Sometimes it's just good to hear, right? Look, look what he said, Barnabas told them all how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how he had spoken to him and he told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus and he infused life into Saul through his words. He said, Saul, I believe in you. Encouraged through his words. In the world we live in today, it may be a note card, maybe a text, it may be an email, maybe a, a letter, you typed out, you wrote. But we encourage through our words. Last Wednesday, I got this note, 1125 a.m. from a young man that's a church planner up in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. He said, I was hanging with my wife and some friends from Westridge today and Roscoe and Mary who were a a church planting couple up in Clifton Park, New York. They planted out of North Star and they planted a church up in Clifton Park, New York. It reminded me of how God has used you and North Star to open doors to join the work of Jesus that he has for us. I'm so thankful for you. I screenshotted it and saved it. Why? Because we all need encouragement. There are times I get bad, just not nice notes from people like, You should talk about Jesus more than the bread. I mean, things like that. I I mean, I understand, okay? That might get said occasionally. I screenshotted it because there's gonna be those days I'm discouraged. And I look back at this young man named Joseph Velarde, who was an intern here when he was in his 19 and 20 years old, who now is making a difference in the Lehigh Valley, who through a crazy chain of events, through a baseball Bible study I have on Mondays, I had two friends in that Bible study move to Lehigh Valley that now attend his church. And he encourages them. I remember it. I got, it was so funny, between services, I got another text from another one of my former students today and I thought, man, Lord, thank you. He sent me a note of encouragement and he said, in truth, is there any way you can get me three brave tickets for tonight? All right, that's what he said, so (laughs) I didn't get to use his illustration. But anyways, there's just something about encouragement right I'm a so quality time is the ministry of presence words there's a love language called words of affirmation if you've never read five love languages it's just a great book on leading parenting marriage the whole bit I'm a words person and my wife is a quality time person so we could go drive from here to Orlando and she won't say a word We'll get down there. She's like, that has been the best day I've had. I don't know how to take that. All right, I've had a lot. Like, are you okay? I mean, are you, are we all right? Are you mad at me? No, I just just, I just I like riding in the car. You know, that's quality time. Well, I'm a word. I need words. So a couple of years ago, she's like, I'm gonna be more intentional with words. And so like on Tuesday, I'd get a note and it said, I was just thinking about you today. Then on Wednesdays, like, can't wait to have dinner tonight. And on Thursday, it's like looking forward to the weekend. And on Friday, I'm excited about the football game or baseball game tonight. And I started noticing a pattern. I was getting the same ones. I think she put them in like a notes file and she, she just sends them. Hey, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take anything I get, right? Words, it's the power of words. Look at me. You work around somebody that needs encouragement maybe just a little sticky note you leave on their desk. Maybe a card you stick on their windshield. Maybe a handwritten note you send them. Barnabas affected Saul's life. He encouraged him by his words, but look at the third part. He encouraged him by his actions. He did something, and the the early church did something because they didn't leave him out to dry to get what he got. They came alongside and said, Saul, you got to get out of here, man. This group's after you. We, we're going to need you later. And they send him to Tarsus, right? That's where they sent him. Sometimes it's something physically that we do. Maybe you show up at somebody's house and you mow their lawn. Or you, Rick Warren lost his son, tragically, uh, the great pastor at Saddleback lost his son to suicide. And Rick, was talking in his very first message back and Rick told the story of his neighbors that would come and roll his trash can up and they would pick up his newspaper at the end of the driveway and they'd put it up by his door. And then he told the story of friends that just slept in his floor if he needed anything. It's encouragement. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the easiest and greatest ways we can live sent is being an encourager in a discouraging world. I want everybody to look at me. You notice light in darkness. You notice it. So, Mike, what's this look like lived out? What's this look like for someone to live this way? It's countercultural, right? See, If you think living sent is sacred, meaning Sundays you get up and come to church, well, that's a piece of it. But I don't think there's a sacred, non-sacred. I think Monday to Saturday can be whatever you want it to be. You can live sent just in your office or on that ball field or in that neighborhood. Today I'm going to profile a good friend. He thought... He was coming in to shoot a video with me on what it takes to be a great coach, on coaching. But I wanted him to hear the power of living sent in the world that he works in. y'all check this out?
1: Well, it's just a, a constant reminder of... of what we're here for is really about. You know, I come in all the time in the mornings when he was the head coach, and he's doing his quiet time at his desk and writing his three things he's thankful for. And he still does that to this day. Coach Jordan sees him in the morning doing that, and that—that's something that's always struck me because he always see him doing it. It's—it's well, the it's first thing he does because that's how he wants to start his day, and that—that's always hit home for me, just that consistency he's working for just with that one simple thing and he doesn't know how just by me seeing him do that, that has impacted me and, and pushed me and challenged me to do the same thing and that's reminded him for me at the beginning of the day it's not about basketball, it's about
2: raising these kids up and trying to lead them the right way. He lead guides and directs you but not by his, necessarily his words but definitely by his actions. He's a guy that's about other people. He's a guy that is going to do anything for you that he can possibly do to make it better. He's going to do the same thing for the teams. He's going to make it better for each team and person here that possibly could possibly could be. There's no me in what you're trying to do now. Even with our team Uh, how we go about things. It used to be years ago where the the end point was the W and it's going on my record. Well, it ain't about that anymore. It's totally changed me the way I look at the way, not necessarily faith should be, but how your next steps should be. And they can't be about you because if it's about you, then that's not the right way to go. As we, as we look at the messages you've had in the last couple of weeks, Ryan lives that next step daily looking for somebody that he can help in all kinds of ways. And the influence that he has on the young coaches, and I tell it in the meetings that we have, our small group meetings that we have, you never know where God's going to put you. You never know who God's going to put in your life and how they can touch a young person just like they can touch a 61-year-old person.
1: He always just kind of comes back home. He settles back down. Let's pause. Let's take a second. Refocus and think about what's the most important thing. What's the best thing we can do in this moment in a game, what's the best thing we can do in this moment as an athletic department? And he does that weekly. There's constantly things that come up, and he's he's so good about figuring out what's what's the best thing to do. And and okay, this is what we need to do. Let's let's figure out how to get it done that way. And he's as a coach, it, it still blows me away to think about those situations and figuring out how to handle it I mean I've learned so much about how to handle situations from him I wouldn't be near the person or coach I am today if I didn't learn in those moments how to handle it because there's constantly things that come up and just his approach to that is just I mean it guides me every day
2: I'd still be going about my business and worried about my wins, worried about my losses, not trying to take time to do things a little bit more with my family, looking towards retirement where I can do for my wife. like You know, all the times that I've missed with her and our family because I was so selfish in, in what I was doing and probably would be continue walking this you know the pretend self of selfishness you know that you were doing the right thing by going to church and and doing the right thing but when i see ryan the selflessness that he has every day hopefully you know that'll rub off in some kind of way
1: i wouldn't be here i really believe that um met my wife here got my about to be one-year-old son next month and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, and he he's believed in me more than I ever realized myself, and he gave me a confidence to do what I'm doing now, and I'm, without a doubt, he, he fought for me when he didn't have to. He believed in me when it would have been easy not to, and I just wouldn't be here today if it wasn't. When you watch that,
0: how did it make you feel?
3: It just made you feel like you're doing something right, like something's put into you that, you know, I don't deserve those guys or those coaches or all the things. And it just makes you feel like God can use you even even if you're a mess.
0: Yeah, I was even wondering, are there times you feel like, man, I'm, I'm probably not even making a difference. I'm just trying to do what God's called me to do and do it to the best. Has that gone through your mind a lot through the years?
3: Yeah, maybe every day. Yeah, there's those points in your life and every day that the enemy gets in your head and wants to tell you that it's not working. Absolutely.
0: wonder what would be different about you if you had chosen to live another way. Let's say you had you had chosen to sit in church on Sunday and just say, you know what, that's for Sundays. Monday to Saturday, I'm a coach. I'm an athletic director. I do my own thing. What do you think it would be different about your life?
3: I don't. I don't think I'd have a. I don't think my family would be where it needs to be. I don't think I'd be affecting other people. Um, I'd be traveling down the wrong wrong road. Thank goodness I'm here. When you think about the phrase "live sent," what does that do for Ryan Dyer? I think it gives you purpose. It makes you think about there's a reason we're here. There's a reason we're, we're doing what we do every day. You say it all the time. There's a reason, God doesn't say oops, no mistakes.
0: You know, you, you heard Coach Jordan and Coach Conrad saying I can't imagine my life without Ryan Dyer in it. I, I don't know if I would be where I am today. For those days you get discouraged. In those days, you don't feel like you can. I don't want you to ever forget what they said. Yes, you sir. know, you look in the mirror sometimes and you go, "Do I matter? You matter to a lot of people." What would you? What would you tell somebody who goes, "God could never use me. I, I'm not a person. I'm just a. I'm just a real estate agent. I'm just a business guy. I'm just a. I'm just a lady who goes to work every day." What would you? What would be your encouragement to them?
3: I think that you know, my first name is Matthew and. You know, you look back at Matthew, as a tax collector and all that. God's going to use you. He's going to make your message your message. I mean, I mess up every day and um, I'm redeemed. I know that there's there's something different about not who I, I am right now, but who I want to be. And I'm a constant work in progress because of, because of what I believe in, because of this church. Mm.
0: Would you guys join me today and thank... Coach Jordan, Coach Conrad, and Ryan Dyer for being a part of our story today. You know what's so funny? Most people that live this way don't think they do. It's just who they are. Every day you make a difference in somebody's life. You are a part of a story. Think about this. And we're either pushing them towards the Lord or we're pushing them away from the Lord. We're either encouraging with the love of Christ or we're getting behind our keyboard on Facebook and Twitter and saying things that aren't Christ-like and being discouraging. I've invited two friends up here today. You met Jeffrey if you were in this room earlier. He's our host down here today. I've known Jeffrey since he was a teenager. Stephanie many of you know if you're in True North Jeffrey was our host down here and Stephanie just led worship in True North you know Steph let me tell you the other reasons they're up here today they are both encouragers Um, every Saturday Ann and I get a text from Jeffrey Melvin every Saturday praying for you thinking about you praying for a great day tomorrow a day of rest today on the darkest days of my life on the calendar I'll get a text from this one thinking about you today I know it's a hard day for you and your family just know you're being prayed for the reason I I remember is because you never forget encouragement and so Jeffrey I'd love to hear you you served on a church staff for many years George in Texas now you work in the real estate world how does encouragement play out in the business world What, what
4: would you say It's the people part of it that we forget. You know, behind every transaction, behind every contract um, is a person, Mm. a person that God created, a person whose life you have the opportunity to impact. And you're saying you get so lost sometimes in the business part of it and the numbers that you forget that there's someone right in front of you that God placed there that you can love and encourage and support and just be kind And it's such a big deal to you. You were telling me that early this
0: morning, you make sure that you do it. Tell tell everybody about that. It's really interesting.
4: I'm a big, uh, my calendar, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist in my life. And uh, I time block. I have um, 930 to 10 o'clock every day set aside to send text messages, to write cards, to make phone calls, um, just to encourage people because I know what it means to me. Um, And I know that when I'm encouraging someone, I'm praying for them. And it's connecting me to Jesus. And it's keeping my day moving, my relationship with Christ moving in the right direction, um, just by loving other people and just by encouraging them along the way.
0: You know, Steph, you, you represent moms and <laughs> you've got your hands full, right? You have four little ones, not so little, two not so little, two still growing. Um, what does this look like in the life of a mom, of a lady? What would you say?
5: Well, I would say um, for, for many women and some men, the, the stay at home, working from home is a role. And so I think sometimes we get a little um, confused in that how do you live sin? If, if I don't have access to the people, like someone who's in the business world, how do I live my life in a way that looks like that? And what I would say to that is whether you're at home some of the time or all of the time working from the home, just like Jeffrey just said, sometimes we forget that that mission field is right in front of us. And um, there have been many days when I have filled up a sippy cup and cleaned up a spill for the 50th time that it is not a happy time for me. Um, and I think it's, it's a, rem- a reminder that our attitude is key in everything that we do. And whether it's serving our children in the space of our home or whether it is an opportunity that's given to us, first of all, we need the act of faithfulness that says yes, And then that way, when the opportunity comes, we can put feet to that faithfulness, however it looks.
0: You know, it's so funny. I'm glad you hit that because I know for many of you ladies, you're you're in business and you're you're doing the juggle of not just the kids at home, but you're trying to go out and work too. Um, That piece of your kids though, it goes, I was, so last week I got a perspective I've never had before. I stood with my daughter at the top of the aisle, at the top of the venue we're at to go down the hill. I'm always the one down the hill waiting on people. I've never been on the other end of it. And boy, a lot of memories flooding through my mind. Our time is limited, right? That encouragement goes a long ways. That's a big deal. Jeffrey, what would you tell somebody that goes, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm equipped enough. I, I'm, I'm more of a private person. No. What would you do to encourage them today? Just what would you- do it.
4: Just sending a text message to say, hey, I see you showing up. There there are moments uh, in our industry, the the top, the most successful people are the ones who get the most recognition. But the people that are working their way up there don't always get it. And just that simple text, that's all you gotta do. It'll boost somebody's day, but it'll lead them closer to Jesus. Uh, People feel like they don't have the right thing to say or they're gonna come back and ask you a question. I hope so because you're showing them you genuinely care about them.
0: Steph, how does being an encourager shine Jesus and help somebody live sin?
5: Well, I, I think there's a, a, a quick way to kind of remember it for me, and that's if you can express God's love through an act of service, that's, that's a good way. If you can express God's love in a way that builds a relationship that's a better way. If you can express God's love in a way that builds that relationship and ultimately pushes that person back towards Christ, that's the best way. Mm. And I think encouragement is just a very simple piece that every one of us can do that starts that process.
0: Jeffrey, would you pray over all the men yeah. in here today, the guys in here and
4: Would you pray over our ladies today? And then I'll wrap us. Would y'all pray with us? Father, we, uh, we thank you for a church like North Star. And we thank you for a place where Um, we can be motivated and encouraged to love people more. And so, Father, I pray over all the men um, in this room, online, God, I pray that you use us to make a difference in the life of someone else tomorrow. God, I pray that you put people in our path that we can encourage, that we can put our hand on their shoulder and say, you're doing a great job. Hey, keep going. Hey, I see you, and I see what you're doing, and it's working. God, I pray that our compassion and our encouragement, yes, God, we pray that it motivates the person we're encouraging, but more importantly than that, God, we pray that it allows them to see Jesus in and through us. God, that at the end of the day, we know that we, um, we've been live sent, that we were used by you to make an eternal difference in the life of someone else. Just through a text message, just through a phone call, through an email. And God, I pray tomorrow, Monday, if by noon we haven't encouraged people, God, I pray that you send us a quick reminder. God, send someone in our path that needs encouragement that we can see and feel the impact from today's message.
5: Lord, pray for every woman that is in the sound of my voice this morning. And uh, Lord, I know sometimes we get to the end of our days and all we can remember is that we've packed lunches and we've put shoes away and we've tried to match socks and um, maybe we've tried to return an email or finish the work that we have and sometimes it feels like it it really didn't make a difference. So God, I would just, um, Lord, I pray first of all that you would multiply the times of moms, Lord, um, that you would fill them in all the places they need it most so that when the opportunity for them to be an encourager, to share the love of Christ when someone else comes. God, they've not only been faithful, but they're ready for the opportunity to go and share the love of who you are. Mm-hmm.
0: And Father, over this church, I pray that we would be Barnabas's in people's lives. At the right place at the right time to give them what they need. And God, may we do it with the love of Jesus Christ. And that is my prayer. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.